Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity is brought to you by MedIQ and supported by an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. Before starting this activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Here's your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. HER3 has been implicated as a potential therapeutic target due to its high expression levels in many tumor types and presence of genetic mutations in several tumors. This podcast will explore recent updates presented at ASCO 2023 related to HER3-targeted therapies in the area of breast and lung cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and I'd like to welcome Dr. Sarah Hurwitz and Dr. Narjust Flores to the program, who's joining me to discuss targeting HER3 in breast and lung cancers. Dr. Hurwitz, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Dr. Flores, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm delighted to be here. Well, we're happy that you're here. Dr. Hurwitz, you just attended ASCO. Were there any impactful studies related to HER3 in breast cancer? Yes, actually, there was an interesting study, a phase two clinical trial presented by Erica Hamilton, looking at patrutumab deruxtecan in patients with metastatic breast cancer. This was a study that enrolled patients with HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer. Patients were treated with patrutumab deruxtecan every three weeks, 5.6 mgs per kg. And she presented the results from part A, where 60 patients were enrolled and treated with single-agent patrutumab. Um, the primary endpoint of the study was to look at objective response rate and the six-month progression-free survival. Patients were allowed on trial if they had hormone receptor-positive breast cancer and had exhausted endocrine therapy and a CDK4-6 inhibitor and up to two prior lines of chemo and also allowed patients with triple negative disease with up to three prior lines of chemo in the metastatic setting. There were 60 patients who were treated on this clinical trial. They were treated for a median of about 5.9 months. The patients were pretty heavily pre-treated with a median of three prior lines of therapy when they went on study. A little over half of the patients had hormone receptor positive breast cancer, around 40% had triple negative breast cancer. And interestingly, the majority of patients had strongish HER3 expression. 64% of patients had a baseline her three expression of at least 75% and 28% had 25 to 74% her three expression. The patients were treated and it's interesting when you look at the outcome data, the outcomes or the benefit with this agent seem to be sort of regardless of the level of her three expression. The objective response rate across all 60 patients was 35% and that didn't seem to very much based on level of HER3 expression, which I found to be quite interesting. The clinical benefit rate was 43%, and the duration of response of at least six months was seen in 48% of patients. I think that the data in terms of the length of time patients were able to be on therapy was actually quite promising. The agents seemed to be fairly well tolerated with mostly grade one and two adverse events, um, such as 
nausea and fatigue as well as diarrhea. So the side effect profile looked pretty good um, across the board. And there was only one case of interstitial lung disease. So in my opinion, this is really quite exciting data that's adding to the phase one data that we saw relating to the activity of this drug uh, across all breast cancer subtypes in the past. I'm really looking forward to seeing more data in the near future. Were there any ongoing studies related to HER3 and metastatic breast cancer to be on the lookout for? Yes, there's actually the Decipher trial. Uh, This is a phase one dose escalation, dose expansion trial of intratumoral HER2 and HER3 prime dendritic cells. So it's like a vaccination strategy where the dendritic cells are conditioned against HER2 and 3 and then injected into the tumor. Um, So this study in patients with early stage breast cancer that's HER2 negative uh, were eligible and patients uh, were receiving alternating ultrasound-guided intratumoral HER2 and HER3 dendritic cell injections twice a week for eight doses starting two weeks prior to neoadjuvant chemotherapy and immune therapy, a la the Keynote 522 regimen. So the dose escalation phase of this study has three planned cohorts uh, following a three-by-three design with a maximum of 18 patients. And this study is open at the Moffitt Cancer Center. So I think this is kind of interesting. It's a different way to go after HER3 than the use of an ADC instead of directly targeting HER3 with with an antibody drug conjugate, you're instead targeting cancer cells with HER3 expression with conditioned dendritic cells. So I'm excited to see what the results of that study looks like. There was some exciting information presented at ASCO 2023 related to non-small cell lung cancer and HER3 as well. Dr. Flores, can you please walk me through some of the exciting highlights? Thank you so much, doctor. Compared to breast cancer and lung cancer, we're a little bit behind when it comes to HER3, but right there, they just have more experience. So some data was presented was about BLVO1D1. That's the name of the compound, BLVO1D1. And this is a new ADC or antibody drug conjugate that has two binding domains for distinct growth factor receptors that drive cancer cell proliferation and survival. One of the unique things about this compound is that it blocks EGFR and it blocks HER3 signals to cancer cells. So the cells are not not able to proliferate, but also induce apoptosis. This new antibody drug conjugate has four different legs, and that's what it makes it very innovative because it will be able to attach to the cell in different ways and different areas. This ADC is attached or linked to a very novel topoisimerase inhibitor via a cleavage linker. So what we hear in ASCO is the first in human study dose escalation for this compound, BLB01D1. The study included patients with advanced or metastatic solid tumors, of which 89 patients had no small cell lung cancer. These patients were heavily pretreated. 18% of the patients had brain metastasis, at the moment of enrollment, and 50% have more than three lines of therapy. As a phase one first in human, we're going to talk about the adverse events before we talk about efficacy. Phase one, main goal is still safety. So we do have a good toxicity when it comes with what we see with antibody drug conjugates, which is bone marrow suppression. So we have leukopenia, 
around 60%, grade 3 around 30%, neutropenia, similar numbers, anemia, 15%, grade 3, thrombocytopenia, all grades, 44%, grade 3, 19%. As a topoisomerized inhibitor, alopecia is common. We saw alopecia, nausea, and vomiting were also common, but nausea and vomiting did not reach grade 3. Fatigue, decreased appetite, diarrhea, mouth ulcerations. But what is important about this safety data is no interstitial lung disease was observed, which is very different than other antibody drug conjugates that are targeting HER3 and HER2. And for us, as a lung cancer doctor, no ILD is always good. So quickly, this is still early data, phase one. But the overall response rate for these patients was around 45.3%. Very impressive for patients that are in fourth line of therapy. We a median follow-up of 4.1 months. The patients that benefit the most were EGFR mutants, but they also was benefited in EGFR wild type. Thanks to this trial, we were able to find the dosing for the phase two, which is going to be 2.5 milligram per kilogram for every three-week dosing. So the compound is going to move to phase two. So the summary of this study is that BLB01D1 demonstrated encouraging efficacy and heavily treated metastatic solid tumors, particularly in patients that are EGFR mutants, no small cell lung cancer, they have progressed on standard therapy. And this is a very big need because 13% of all lung cancers are EGFR plus the HER3. So there's a lot of future for this compound. That's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Dr. Flores, staying with you, is there any other novel data related to HER3 therapy that we should be on the lookout for? To our listeners, we need to be very clear. There is no HER3-directed agents approved by the FDA for the treatment of lung cancer to date. And I hope we come back in a year or two and that changed. But right now, there is no FDA-approved therapy. So everything is under development in a clinical trial. Something that we're waiting is for more mature data for this study and other studies to understand testing and the need for biomarkers. HER3 is evolving in lung cancer. So we need to determine what is the ideal H score. When we talk about H score is the IHC or immunostochemical. What is the cutoff for this patient? Should we use the same cutoff that breast cancer uses or should we have our own cutoff for lung cancer? So that is to be determined. So the compound that is moving faster in HER3 is patrituumab derostecan, also known as HER3DX. This is also being studied in EGFR-resistant no-small cell lung cancer. These overall response rates around 39% with a medial progression-free survival of 8.2 months. But we still need larger studies for HER3DX, including the upcoming phase two Hertina lon one trial. But what it brings attention is we need to test our patients for biomarkers so they're allowed or given the opportunity to be part of these clinical trials with novel biomarkers. Biomarkers are essential for lung cancer treatment, and we're going to continue to talk about HER3, from predicted biomarkers to new drugs and toxicities associated with these drugs. 
So the history is continued to be written as we learn more about HER3 and no small cell lung cancer. That's a great way to round out our discussion on HER3 and breast and lung cancers. I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Sarah Hurwitz and Dr. Narges Flores, for helping us better understand new HER3-targeted treatments for lung and breast cancers. Dr. Hurwitz and Dr. Flores, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Science is moving forward so fast. This activity was brought to you by MedIQ and supported by an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. To receive your free CME credit, be sure to complete the post-test and evaluation at reachmd.com CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.